Hello everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank for another episode of the pod and we are coming to you off the back of well, what's hopefully a potential title preview match as we look ahead towards the business end of the season. It is, of course, Sale beating Saracens 35 points to 24 on Sunday afternoon in what we hope is obviously a sign of things to come. A second upset first per the uh, the tweet that Alex sent out. Speaking of Alex, I'm Lewis and uh, Alex is joining me. Alex, how are you going? Yeah, very good, thanks, mate. Um, very, very happy. It really did make my weekend because I really tried to not get myself too worked up about that Saris game on the expectation that we'd lose it. And after half an hour, I thought we would lose it. And then um, to come away with a win and a bonus point win and deny Saris anything, just a, a great Sunday afternoon all around. Sent me into the week with a spring in my step. So, yeah, couldn't. Couldn't really have asked for any more from that game. The roller coaster of emotions actually made it better in the end. I mean, I, I was thinking about this earlier. It's a bit like that Leicester game last year. You, it's got all the hallmarks of a, of a classic afternoon on TV, on ITV, as well as BT Sport. Big crowd in the stadium. Official attendance was what ten thousand one hundred plus, uh, and obviously a bit of a bit of a statement win. You know, when we do three word reviews in a in a bit, you know, the, the, that comes up quite a lot. But this was this was a team in sale that were, you know, sort of starting to um tread water a little bit, you know, a couple of losses on the bounce, you know, Northampton going really well. There was a feeling that maybe that second position in the home semi-final wasn't sort of necessarily guaranteed. And then this weekend, obviously Saints got absolutely battered by Bristol. Uh, and and we pull out a probably the most impressive win of our season beating, you know, the pace setters in Saracens. So, yeah, I mean, where do, where do we start? Um, you know, because from, from my perspective, Alex, you know, there's just so much positive stuff to talk about. Where, where do you want to, where do you want to go first? <laughs> Should we start with the negative in that case? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I think in, in all seriousness, we should talk about the positives. And I think it's, it's kind of an interesting way into that is to talk about that first 30 minutes and, and how flat it felt. And honestly, it really did feel flat in the ground. It, you know, we had all these people in and the team just weren't sparking at all. Um, you know, there was a real sort of lack of any any drive and any excitement. And, you know, there weren't those those moments that, that kind of get the crowd up and, and use it to our advantage as a home team. So then... I think what the positive out of that is, is that we managed to turn that round and it, it really did spark from a few moments in the first half of when we finally just started putting stuff together. You know, there's a Bevan Rod break and then we're suddenly on the attack and you can just feel the swell of the crowd. And then that came to nothing in the end and it sort of, um, it dropped a bit again, but then it comes up as Alex Goode gets um, sent off from an absolutely lovely kick across by Ryan Mills, Tommy Fakhti, and it's, um, you know, the, it was just that sort of, it, it was a real slow burner at the start, and, and honestly, with that, with so many people in, you really wanted it to be a good game, and a great performance from Sale, and I think in that first half an hour, it felt like it wasn't going to be. It felt like it was, Saris were just going to turn it into a typical Saris game, which is you know, mind-numbingly boring, but also incredibly effective. Um, 
and, and just sort of suck the life out of you like they do, which is not a, a criticism at all. It's it's a genuine real talent, um, and, and we're not. You know, it's not like we're quins. We're not you know, throwing it to every corner. Um, but then to turn that around, like I say, with with those moments that just started sparking to life, and and all of a sudden, you know, once we get the first try, and then we get the second try, it's just the the momentum built and built and built. And I think it meant that when we came out for the second half, the fact that we started so well in the second half just carried the crowd with us again. Because um, obviously those those of us who've gone quite a lot, you know, the six thousand who are there every week are very used to the fact that the second half is usually an absolute nightmare. Um, so it's quite nice to show the other 4,000 or however many it is, new faces and all the people on TV that it's not um, typical. So I think there's a bit of mentality in there as well. And I think, you know, it's it's kind of almost charismatic of like a Rob Dupree side in a way to to go through that first half an hour and just be, not be in the game, be making mistakes, not really have the ball to then cut in Sarri's open at will. And we'll talk about the attack um, later, I'm sure. But I think we we just didn't have any accuracy in that first 30 minutes. We really, really struggled to put more than two, three phases together. And then for the rest of the game, we were so accurate, we were so clinical, we were so effective and efficient. And, we, and it made us exciting. It made us really exciting to watch. So I think it's a really, really, it's a really big day for the club. And a really big day for Alex Sanderson because I think we've shown that, you know, we're not, we used to rely on our brawn and our physicality to beat a team like Sarri's. What we did um, on Sunday was we didn't rely on that because we got beat up front, really. We never had even parity at the breakdown. We were missing the jackal threat of a Tom or a Ben Curry. But we beat them a different way. We beat them with pace we beat them with you know really cutting attacking moves and 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 I think that's the most exciting thing for me is that this isn't the way that we beat Sarri three years ago on that night when you know Rob Dupree was playing and we had Tom Red Curry and it was you know just a test match intensity and I said last week I expected it to be test match intensity um and I think it was a bit off that I don't think it was quite there but I think we made it into a bit more of an open game um, so yeah, I I think there's a lot of good stories coming out of this, but that for me is the way we played is as exciting as kind of the result and the you know the bonus point and all that. It was it, it, the fact we made so many line breaks and Joe Carpenter made like six clean breaks, which is the most by a sale player ever since Opta started recording the data. It's um, yeah, it's it's really really exciting. I think for me. Well, I mean, plenty to, to talk through there. And let's let's use the three-word reviews as a bit of a jumping-off point because um, obviously you can expect there was a lot of interest in this one. So uh, Taylor always liked Hodnett, in reference to obviously the TMO, uh, who was looking after uh, the game on Sunday. Uh, Danny Sweeney, forward, maybe, meh, in a reference obviously to... Uh, the Sam James try, which we'll talk about. Uh, Stewie Lee, no voice today. Uh, Nicholas Carter, Carps swims through. Like that one. Uh, Nick, uh, that win mattered. Mark Cole, Deacon deserves praise. Edward Birch, back on track. And Bob Bridal coming through for all of us with we needed that. And we, we absolutely 
did. So, I mean, Alex, I guess the, the, the thing you've sort of alluded to there is there's a bit of a slow start for sale. You know, they are, uh, I think, 16 points to nothing down at one stage. Um, you know, they really sort of struggled to, to get a, a grip on the game in a way that Saracens you know, didn't have that problem. But we start to see things change. And, and obviously, we go into the halftime 19-14 down. And in the second half, you know, we, we blow Saracens out of the water, 21 points to, to five in that second half in sales favour. From, from your perspective there, being in the ground, what was the turning point that, that started to, to get the team, get the fans a little bit more involved, get the team going and, and ultimately shift the momentum in, in a way that actually Saracens didn't seem to recover from? I think there were, it's a really good question, because I think there were a few little bits in succession. There's the the kind of where Bevan Rod dives on the loose ball and makes the break, and that's the first time we've really made any metres in the game. Um, and he throws the offload to Cobus Visa, and then it comes out, and... Um, breaks down eventually, but it was just, you know, the first time Sale had really had any sort of attack. Um, there's then obviously the Alex Good yellow card, which I think is really important um, because it it definitely, but I think it was crucial that that came after that little that little moment because it meant that instead of sort of Alex Good going off and everyone going, oh, okay, it was a real sort of... Um, you know, the crowd were really on top of him, you know, people waving him off and that kind of thing. And and I think Good almost made him made his situation worse by standing there, not really, re- I don't know whether he realised he'd been sent off or whether he was just being petulant about it, but like, you know, with his arms in the air, standing, going like, oh, what's going on? You know, why have I been sent off? Blah, blah, blah. And it might have been him genuinely not seeing himself given a yellow card. I imagine it was. I really like Alex Good as a player, but what it did is um, it got the crowd against him. And, and that, I think, was almost, you know, the yellow card was obviously important. Saris were a man down in the back line. Um, we'll come on to that in a minute. But I think him sort of, you know, not just going off straight away and getting off, that got the crowd up again. And then off the back of that, Sale execute a really, really, really good try. And I think that's the moment when Joe Carpenter scores that try. I think it's a real right. We've finally got some points on the board here because we were, like you say, sixteen nil down. I was sitting there going, "You can't give Saris a sixteen point head start. You just can't." Well, apparently you can, but you know, in a Premiership final, you can't do that. Um, but I think that was kind of the point where you know everyone went, "Okay, right." It's um, you know we've got to try. We're back on. We've got with the down to ten men. We've still got nine minutes of good and Simbin. Um, you know, it, it, I think he got a bit of belief back. I mean, just a word for Rob Dupree's kicking, which was absolutely outstanding, and and Gude's kicking was was not up to scratch in comparison. Um, albeit not bad, I think he, all the ones he missed were difficult ones, but um, Rob Dupree's kicking was outstanding, and and I think really really important because you know if if Rob Dupree's not kicking, then it's nineteen ten at half time, and that's you know a lot different to nineteen fourteen, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was those kind of three moments. Um, but I think, you know, each one kind of, you know, the crowd gets up through the initial break, then they really get excited by the yellow card. And, and again, that was kind of helped by the delay. And, you know, the, the East Stand were really, really good, sort of asking for that yellow card in a way. Um, 
they were the ones making the noise every time it was replayed. The big ooh, you know, every time Good takes them out. Um, so that that really helped. And then Good getting waved off by the West Ham as he came over, and and I just think that kind of swell of feeling. Then you know, there's that moment of almost relief and release when um, when Carpenter scores. So yeah, really really important. Um, and. I think that for me is a turning point, and I think thereafter you start to see. Then we sort of Carpenter makes the break um, from a first phase move on the line out, and and thereafter it's just we we genuinely you know we hadn't looked like breaking down Sarri's line until that first Carpenter break really, and then after that it looked like really easy, and probably partly skewed was off, and you know they had to put men in the backfield and that kind of thing. Um, I think we've suffered on that new 50-22 rule where we've had people sent off before because in the backs because you you still need three people or two people in the backfield so your back line's really, really depleted. So if you can get it wide, then it's um, it's really dangerous. So, yeah, that was it for me, I think. Do you, would you agree? Was there any of those? I mean, I've not really picked one, but are there any of those that you specifically think were the, the turning point? And, and then... And then we need to come on to the second try, but um, yeah, turning points first. Well, well, I, I, I actually think that was the turning point. I think the the Sam James try um, was probably an indicator of just how sometimes in rugby, once you start building momentum, things just happen to go your way. Now, was it forward? I. I I mean, uh, okay, Alex. What do you think? Was that was that pass from Tom O'Flaherty forward? Uh, in real time, I thought it was really tight. Having seen the replay back, I still think it's tight, and I'm amazed it hasn't been called forward. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, justice. I, I yeah. I, I mean, look. I, I think it's forward. <laughs> I think it's quite obviously forward. But look, sometimes you know those decisions just happen to go your way, like. There's a there's a dedicated TMO uh, who who's making that call, and they decided it it wasn't uh, forward. And I think once you have sort of moments like that in the game, we kind of saw it a, a little bit against Northampton a couple of weeks ago. You just start to get a sense of okay, this is going to be our day. Things are going our way. And on the flip side, if you're Saracens, it's like actually these things aren't going our way. We're up against it. It's going to be an uphill battle. And, and I think the fact that Saracens. Uh, replacement um, prop, his lob gets sent off as well. Again, it's the sort of thing where it's just a coming together. He kind of runs into, he kind of runs into the sale player. Um, sorry, the sale player kind of runs into him. It's these sort of things where they just sort of they, they they just accumulate. And I think it's so difficult if you're a team like Saracens already missing a number of players through internationals. You're away from home. You've got off to this big start. There is this momentum shift that tends to happen when you you get out to an early lead and you're not able to build on it, and it did kind of start to feel inevitable. And when you you when you have the you know forward passes not being called, I think that does make a massive massive difference. Um, so I thought that was the kind of turning point, just because it really started to feel like everything was going our way. And then we we kind of saw a little bit more of that, you know, the uh, the John O'Rosh try, which which uh, which which came off the back of a set-piece move that we've seen a couple of times now where the ball goes out the back to Rob Dupree and he, he puts the crossfield kick in. 
at, at speed rather than in the pocket. Again, it's just the sort of thing, you know, the ball goes to hand and it's an easy walk over try. And, and so much of that is skill. But obviously these things, you know, in, in real time can be quite difficult to execute. So it just kind of felt like, you know, we had the momentum with us. We'd hung in the game long enough. The, the, the tries before halftime were really important. And then the second half, when the game opened up a little bit, we were just able to, to really blow Zaris off the park. And I think a big part of that was the play of, of Rob Dupria, who... I don't know, Alex. Like he, he just looks a, a much better ten than a thirteen, doesn't he? Yeah, he absolutely does. And I think this is the kind of yeah you know, we talked about um, back in the day when we were trying to get both Sean Luke and Dan Debrea on the pitch. It's the same kind of issue. And I think almost if I was Alex Sanderson, I'd be not relieved, but it does make your life easier when one of George Ford or Rob Debrea isn't available because you have to fit the other one at ten, and and then you're not trying to fit them both into the same team. Um, but yeah, he was outstanding, and I think especially important is his relationship with Gus War because I think that's been really, really developed this season, and, and they're an excellent partnership. Um, they they understand each other, and you could see that fluidity and and that kind of that understanding that's built up through game time that George Ford and Gus War, or George Ford and Rafi Quirk, or even Rob and Rafi Quirk don't have. Um, I think Rob and Rafi looked a lot better. Um, Obviously, you know, with a lot of momentum and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think Robin and Gus are our starters, and that and and they complement each other in that. In that, you know, I think if Gus wasn't playing, there's a different question about whether Rob plays at ten. But you know, if you look at them as a unit, then those two together are playing so well. Um, and I think Rob's. He, he just manages the game so well, but his, his, they mentioned it on BT, but his passing is really, really good. His decision-making, I mean, his decision-making for Carpenter's second try when he um, sort of pops up the pass to him, it's just really, really intelligent play. And I think, you know, as you said, that kick to John Ross, he had sort of pretty much a hand in every try, you know, getting the ball out to O'Flaherty for Carpenter's first try. Um, it did just sort of feel that every kind of line break and everything good had Rob Dupree's fingerprints all over it. And I and I think, you know, I talked about Dupree and War working in tandem, but I think we also need to acknowledge that Dupree, War and, and Paul Deacon working in tandem is massive. And and let's not forget that George Ford has input to that as well. So this isn't, a, you know, Rob Dupree's the future, you know, George Ford sit on the bench for a bit. This is about the squad as a unit creating the best attacking play they can. And, and I think you're kind of seeing the the results of that on the field now in that we're able to manipulate defences really well. And this this Saris defence is one of the best in the league by an absolute mile. It's the Wolf Pack. It's, you know, yeah, they were missing a few players, but who were they missing? You know, Farrell's probably the one that you would think marshals the defence massively. Um but they had Tompkins, Lazowski, they're both going to start in Prem Final if they play one. You know, that back three, Lewington, Maitland, Goode, again, you know, that's not, probably not going to be that different. Um, Alvin Davies and, and Benzio off the bench. It's, you know, organisation-wise in the backs, and, and the reason I'm point, pulling out the backs is because that's where we made our gains. We didn't really get that much change through the forwards, and that's what we struggled with in the first 30 minutes. So if you're talking about a Saracen's defence, I'm not sure who they're going to bring in into that back line other than Farrell at 10 
that's going to make it a vastly different defensive unit to play. And this is the best defensive unit in the league, bar probably yours. Um, and maybe, you know, Exeter or someone like that. But I think over the season, it's been Sarri's. Um, and, and we were able to absolutely carve them open. And, and I think that's the exciting thing, as I said at the, the top before, that, you know, Rob Dupree's choices of pass, his speed of pass, Gus's speed of pass out to him, um, the kind of width we were putting on the ball from first place, this this didn't used to happen. This used to, you know, we used to play, and I think it's a, that change of playing off 10 more as well. Um, but I think everyone was so crucial in that. And, and one other player that I'll pick out and, and be interesting to get your thoughts on this is Ryan Mills, because from the stands uh, uh, in the ground, it looked like he had an absolutely fantastic game. He tried some things that didn't come off, the cross kick that Tizard marked when I think it was kind of on more on than it, than it appeared. Um, but I think what he gave us at 12 and, and the way he freed Rob Dupree up to play in that kind of 10 in the pocket, behind the play role that led to the John O'Ross try and the Joe Carpenter try in the second half, was really, really important. And his deception at 12, and, and, you know, he's a carrying threat, but he's also a really, really good technical footballer, um, I think was massive in kind of giving Rob Dupree the freedom to play. And I, and I think you're right that Rob Dupree is not a 13, but I think there's a massive argument here for if we're going to get Rob Dupree and George Ford in the same team, then that 10-12 playmaker is a lot more, with Sam James outside, is a lot more effective than... 10-13 with a man who in the middle trying to bash it up. Because um, I thought Ryan Mills enabled Rob Dupree and gave him the space to play as well as he did in a lot of those kind of set plays and phase plays and, and shared that responsibility. So, you know, I think th- there were so many good performances and, and be interesting to get your thoughts on who else had a good game. Um, but I thought that Ward, Dupree and Mills as a sort of three were the reason we were able to carve Sarri's open so well um, through the way they they kind of gave each other space and that speed of pass, that's deception, that's, you know, skill of execution. Um, and, and you know, it's Joe Carpenter, Tom Roebuck, Tom O'Faherty reaping the benefits. It's, it's a really good point because there is a bit of a question mark over that number 12 shirt going into next season. You know, it, it sounds increasingly likely that Tuolangi will go to Japan or France after the World Cup. Um, and as such, is this going to necessitate a change in philosophy with what Sale expect from that 12 channel? So I remember if you go back 10 years, we had, you know, uh, you know Sammy T and, and Johnny Leota in the centres. You know, that was the way Sale had been playing for a long time with that, that bash centre at 12 you know we saw it even when those guys sort of moved on um it, it's kind of always been there as a as, as an option for sale but you're right when you see the impact a player like Mills can have as a who is an out and out second distributor uh who can you know kick pass run uh in a way that Tuolangi probably can't I don't get me wrong Tuolangi is the better player in it and Tuolangi's passing as well is actually pretty pretty good um but having that sort of flex of, of talent, I think, is really interesting in the 12 shirt. It's really interesting as well. We've never seen Sam James, who at six 
six four six five could probably do a job as a as an out out and out ball carrier as well. He's never sort of migrated to that role in the way that you maybe see in like you know New Zealand rugby where they've got Jordy Barrett playing twelve, for example. Um, you know, so if you've got Sam James at thirteen and you don't necessarily have a Manu Tuolangi anymore, and and you know realistically is Sam Hill going to be here at the club? Probably not. Like you don't really have any other options. And I thought it was really interesting to see how we played with a Ryan Mills type at twelve and how effective that made the rest of our backline. Now you look at our backline, you know, you've got Carpenter who is sort of developing nicely into a genuine counter-attacking threat, the likes we've not had since Mike Haley half a half a decade ago. Um you've got Tom Roebuck who is uh you know your typical like physical winger, good in the air, etc. Then you've got O'Flaherty and, and Aaron Reed who's speedsters. There's a real nice mix of talents there. And it kind of feels like actually as as we evolve as a team, we're starting to migrate towards focusing on our back threes core skill sets rather than our scrum half on our 12. And if that is the case, then having just yet yeah, to your point, people who can distribute the ball uh, and run around a lot in Gus War, Rob Dupree and Ryan Mills, that opens things up a little bit. It's, it's kind of a key to, or a hint at where the sale sort of attacking shape might go moving forward. So I think that's really, really interesting, particularly at a time as well where the salary cap is 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 coming lower. There is a squeeze on squads and actually to get the, the, the top end players, it's now a lot more difficult to do that, particularly in the forwards where, you know, your Sam Simmons, your Luke Cowan Dickies are going to France um, and, and it does necessitate a change in, in play style. Um, so I think that's a, re- you know, that, that it, it was really interesting to see how we play with Ryan Mills and he's, he might have earned himself a new contract off the back of that uh, if, uh, if he's not snapped up already. Um, but yeah, the other player I just wanted to highlight was Joe Carpenter because like you said, you know, Premiership Rugby has him down as seven defenders beaten, five clean breaks, 136 metres, which remember that counts any metre made with ball in hand. So fullbacks always get over 100 because there's no one in front of them for 20 metres when they, when they field a kick. Real bugbear of mine, as long-time listeners will know. But you know, you look at the defenders beat, you look at the you look at the clean breaks, and actually you look at some of the instances where he's using his power, he's using his uh, agility to bounce off tackles or, or sort of get through half gaps. Just a really, really encouraging showing. You know, we we know Carpenter has the prestige. He was an age grade player for England. Um, you know, he's he was probably he was probably in the squad a little bit sooner than I anticipated. I was thinking it was going to be sort of 23, 24, that he, he really started to make an impact on the first team. And obviously that was expedited a little bit with, with some injuries at the position. But he just looks, you know, he looks like he's getting better with every game. You know, there's decision-making, you know, question marks still there. You know, we had a three-on-one where it's, it's a simple, you know, uh, you know, catch and pass and, and you know, he, he he made the wrong decision and went for it himself. I think that's still going to be a bit of a question mark, but that comes with time. It comes with experience. And I think you saw in, in a game where Sale really struggled to get dominance up front, where they really struggled to kind of mine territory and, and sort of control the game on their own terms, you just saw what an impact having a, a proper counter-attacking fullback could have because if your forwards can't get over the game line to push the opposition's defence back, Sometimes it takes your back three players, your your counter attackers to do that, and and so we're actually able to build very effectively um, from a from a territory and possession perspective off the back of that. So a huge, you know, big rap to Joe Carpenter, who I thought had a 
had, had his best game in a sales shot, you know, bar none. Um, in a win like this, Alex, obviously we could go down the list and, and pick out everyone one to twenty-three. Um, is is there anyone else that you want to kind of give give mention to though before we we move on and and, and look ahead for another Premiership rugby fixture? Um, I thought John Ross was absolutely outstanding. Um, I think his carrying got us back into the game a bit because we we just didn't look like we were going to uh, go over the game line against Saris and, and his carrying really, really did make that difference. Um, and I think the other person who had an awful first 30 slash first half and then kind of turned it around was Johnny Hill. Um, you know, I think he, he just is the, the first half of the game looked like how he's been playing the last few weeks, which is he just hasn't quite got away with all the subtle things that, you know, sometimes gets away with, which does happen when you six foot out of many um, and very very conspicuous and even the referees are saying oh it's Johnny Hill um, if they can identify you that quickly then it's always going to be difficult to get away with stuff um, but I think in the second half he um, just that got us that parity up front and listen the line out was absolutely outstanding and the scrum actually as well I mean when we brought on McIntyre Taylor and uh, Shonnet we mashed them in the scrum which I think was is not surprising when you think about the relative depths of the squads and the fact that they were missing players and that kind of thing. You know, they've obviously got a lot of internationals in the front row away. But I think, you know, that was something I was thinking in game was that our bench is going to be stronger than theirs. And, you know, this is how you build squads. We've, we've built a squad as we have. Um, and... So I think that that's those sort of the three coming off the bench. I, I hesitate to call them the bomb squad, but um, whatever we're going to call them, um, had a really really good impact. Johnny Hill, a, a massive turnaround in the game, uh, I felt, but you know really sort of showed his why you need players who've done it at international level and won premierships. Um, I think that really came through. And yeah, John O'Ross, and just this is a kind of whole team thing. But the discipline was poor in the first half really poor and um, I mean my dad said at half time if we don't give away penalties and we maintain our discipline we'll win this game um, and that's exactly what we did so I think that's partly Jono that's partly you know the the entire team Johnny Hill as well but I think you know we, we really really upped our discipline in the second half and that comes from executing more accurately and having more ball and being under less pressure but I think it's the blueprint of how this team can perform when we're not giving away penalties. And we know that this team's weakness is giving away penalties in advantageous situations. Um, so I think that's that's a whole team thing. But it was really, really important um, because it just didn't give Saris any momentum to come back into the game, really. Um, and it it's what had given them all the momentum in the first half. So very, very satisfying. But as you say, yeah, you could go down 1-23 and, and, and all the coaches and, you know, Etc. Etc. And uh, and say how brilliant everyone was. So let's uh, stop ourselves before we end up doing that. Absolutely. Well, that was one huge test that Sale have come over. And just to get a big wrap, you know, great crowd. You know, it's on TV. Uh, well, to, you know, both BT and ITV. The Northern Rugby Matters Initiative. It's just it just felt like a really, you know, just a really cool event to be around. And 
a kind of a bit of a precursor to some of the positive, you know, things that we're starting to hear about potentially being able to buy the stadium. There's obviously an announcement around the catering that's going to be uh, uh, changing at the AJ Bell as well. There's just these like little hints that that maybe things are starting to sort of change from an off-field perspective, and that's obviously to reflect the very strong position we're in from an on-field uh, standpoint as well. So just just really, really impressive stuff all around on Sunday. Felt like a, a very much a, a community club, felt very much like a, a team going places. And obviously, when you're beating the league leaders quite handily uh, and picking up five points in the process, it leaves you in a really good spot. So speaking of that, as we, we turn our attention now to, uh, to the stretch run, realistically, in, uh, in Premiership Rugby. There's no game for about three weeks after this one, so it's really important that Sale continue their momentum uh, going into this weekend's fixture uh, away at London Irish. Uh, so, as we've spoken about a little bit, you know, just to kind of set the scene, you know, Saracens, even after losing uh, Sale, are still top, 62 points. Uh, Sale sits second now on 56 points, so they've narrowed that gap to Saracens, but it is very much a 1-2 at the top. And, and after that, you have four or five or even six teams in the mix still uh, for a, a top four place. And all of a sudden, that now includes London Irish, who after a pretty poor start to the season... Uh, are, are starting to accumulate some wins. So in terms of the, the actual perform, performances in the last sort of nine games or so, uh, Irish have won seven. And they seem to be hitting their, their stride, maybe more so in the Premiership and the Premiership Rugby Cup than, uh, than the, um, than the cha- uh, Champions Cup, Challenge Cup. Um, but all of a sudden, they've managed to insert themselves back into this playoff mix uh, with a number of very impressive wins uh, against, well, their direct competitors for the top four. Just looking at kind of the form that they've been in most recently, um, they did the business against Newcastle uh, over the weekend, 34 points to 19. Um, They went down narrowly to, to Leicester at home, 25 points to 22. But since, but before that, they uh, polished off Bath 25 points to 10. They beat Harlequins 42 points to 24 in a very impressive high scoring game. They've racked up wins over uh, Bristol uh, and Bath um, in, in some of the other fixtures. And, in, and of course, they had that Christmas Eve win over Saracens 29 points to 20. So all of a sudden, this is an Irish team where, look, they are probably still a couple of years away from being able to compete for the top four and the top two consistently. But given where this team was a couple of years ago and the way that they're moving, they are very much a top four contender team. And sale for them will be an absolutely massive test of their top four credentials. From a sale perspective, this is a case of keep that momentum going. So we we have three weeks between games um, but, uh, after the Irish game. And with only one home game left in the season, which is the final game of the year, it's really imperative that Sale go into that break with a comfortable buffer uh, still in place over Leicester and Northampton, who sit third and fourth at the moment on 43 points. So, Alex, I guess the, the thing that I want to ask you is, from a Sale perspective, I think this win on Sunday doesn't mathematically confirm a top four finish, but we are a handful of points away from getting that sorted. 
the focus now will be on getting that home semi-final uh, and getting the chance to, to give ourselves the best opportunity to win the league realistically. So with that being said, and knowing that there's a long break coming up, what is it that you're looking for from a sale perspective in this Irish game? Because this is an Irish team that we've seen can win ugly. Uh, we've seen that they can uh, you know, win in high-scoring affairs. And we've seen the Saracens game is a good example. They can, they can grind out performances as and when. So from your perspective, what is it you're looking for uh, from, from Sale to, to kind of quash uh, the threat from a resurgent Irish side? Yeah, it's almost, it's a very different challenge to that Saris game. Um, so it's about seeing that flexibility in our style of play, I think. Um, and to be honest, it's just a continuation of, I think that Saris game is the first time we've performed in a while. I mean, we were saying on the pod last week, we were on sort of a run of seven straight losses or whatever it was. Um, you know, it, it, it'd been a really tough period for sale. So this is about continuing to build back up to those top levels of performance. Um, Irish away, really tough place to go at the moment. I think we've obviously, as you said, you know, Saris haven't won there. They've got an incredibly difficult run in. Um, they've got us, Saris, Northampton and Exeter as their last four games. So, you know, it's a real test for them as well. And I think they'll be looking at that going, of all the teams that, you know, Northampton are probably the one that they'll target as that's a definite win. But they'll be looking at us and thinking, if we can beat Sale, we're putting ourselves right in the conversation for top four. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, this is now the difference. I agree, I, I agree sorry, I was going to say, I agree with you that um, top four secured for us, unless something drastic happens. Um, you know, we're going, we're going to be going into a home game against Newcastle on the last day of the season. Maximum needing a win, probably, to get top four, all being well. Um, so, you know, I think we can be relatively relatively confident, or as confident as you can be, of, of top four. Um, someone click this up and it will come back to haunt me when we finish fifth. Um, but I think this Irish game is a test of credentials of do we deserve a home semi-final? Because, you know, Irish fifth and table, like we say, they're beating Saris at home. So this is a real point of, are you a good enough team to deserve a home semi-final? And if you are, you should be beating Irish away. And if you're not, then you probably will lose narrowly. You know, we've always done well against Irish, I think. I think our style of play suits playing them. It's sort of similar to the kind of Bristol thing. We're able to close them down in the wide channels. Um, and we're able to match or dominate them up front. But it's it's really, really tough, and I think it's going to have to be a very different style of play to the Saracens game. As I said, it's less about, you know, we're not going to take them on in the 13 channel. We're not going to have them down to 14 men, as far as we know. We, you know, They've got pace to cover that kind of... Um, they've got such raw pace in covering those breaks that it's not going to be as almost as easy as it was against Saris, but, you know, might make the break, but their defence will, I think, cover it in a very different and, and probably... Um, slightly more difficult for us to contemplate, uh, you know, work against way. Um, but I do think it's it's not a must win, but it's a real, real test of where we are as a squad. And I think if we're serious about winning the title this year, which I th- it feels like we are, um, then, you know, we want to have a home semi-final. If we want to have a home semi-final, we've got to win games like this. 
Um, so I'm looking for, like I say, more of the same, more of that improvement that we've seen even in the Saris game, but sort of coming out of um, out of Europe and and out of you know those close losses away at Northampton Exeter. It's it's about turning them on the head and and making sure that. If we're in a close game away from home, we're coming out with a win. And, you know, like we were 5% off a win at Northampton Exeter. We weren't far away at all. But that mentality of being able to close out those wins, I think, is massive. So um, it'll be, I think it'll be an exciting game. It always is against Irish. I think it'll be high scoring. But that is even more reason that it's just that, that last 5%, those last five minutes, that clutch under pressure. That's so, so crucial. And it's going to be really challenging because we're probably going to have George Ford back, given how well Marcus Smith played at the weekend, um, for Axe to work out what his team is. But you look at that Sarri team and you say, well, they should really go again because no one had a bad game um, overall. And a lot of people had a really, really good game. So, yeah, I, 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 we're not reinventing the wheel here. It's not a different play style. I think this sale team is very comfortable playing multiple styles, but that Irish game is it's not it's not dissimilar to the the Saris game. But I just think our tactical kicking is improved slightly because you can't give you know Hassel Collins part and um, loader the ball in space. So we need to be competing for every ball that goes up. But our attack, you know, Irish haven't got a good defence. Our attack will will be able to get through them if we're playing well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really tough game. It'll be a really interesting game to watch, I think. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to watch it because I like watching Irish. I think they play good rugby. And I like the rugby we're playing at the moment. But it's a real, real test of kind of mentality and, and home semi-final credentials, top two credentials. You know, you talk about top four credentials. I think we've proved them. We've beaten Saris. You know, we've beaten the teams around us, uh, beaten Leicester, you know, those kind of teams. This is top two credentials, so um, let's see how we go. But yeah, is there anything else you're looking for from uh, from the sale team, and 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 any selection decisions that you would make or not make off the back of uh, Saris? Well, I, th- I think the the thing to consider is that nine, ten, twelve, thirteen combo. You know, Gus War has has played the house down this year. He's been you know, arguably sales best player or at least most consistent. Um, Rob Dupree just looks in incredible form at 10, less so at 13. Um, and obviously George Ford's been away with England. So I think, you know, you stick with those two. The question then becomes, you know, what do you do at 12? Still to a Lange, which forces your hand a little bit. So, you, you know, with, with how well we played against Saracens and like you said, the task not being dissimilar against Irish, you know, you're probably looking at, at Ryan Mills going again at 12 and then um, uh, Sam James at 13. You know, I, I made the point last week. I'd be, I was really interested to see whether Luke James comes in at 12 um, with Tuolangi out. And obviously he was on the bench on Sunday, but didn't, didn't get onto the field. So, I, I, you know, I think it was that was a bit of a test, you know, from 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 a sale perspective as to who who can step up into Alangi's absence and Ryan Mills passed it with flying colours. And you look at this Irish team, you look at, you know, the fact that they are, like you said, a bit of a porous defence. It kind of feels like we fight fire with fire here and, and go for, go with a team that has got the attacking, you know, now to, to put 30, 40 points on the team. The interesting thing I, I wonder about is whether or not 
Tom Roebuck gets another start or whether or not Aaron Reed starts. You know, this is something we've seen all season. O'Flaherty plays the majority of games, but there seems to be a bit of rotation between the two of them. And actually, you look at how much pace the, this Irish team have in their backline, you do wonder whether or not the coaches and staff will look at uh, having Reed's pace and, and defensive covering ability uh, on Ollie Haskell Collins, for example, rather than Tom Roebuck, who who maybe doesn't have the top end speed to, to keep up. So that's something I, I'd probably watch out for. But, you know, I think in the forwards, you know, we've not seen Dan Dupria for, for a long time now. So you assume he's still out. We'll see what happens with the Curries. It sounds like Ben Curry is going to get, you know, uh, another chance uh, in the Six Nations in, in this coming weekend. So there's a good chance, you know, he's not available. You know, Tom Curry's injured. So, you know, the, the, there's... A lot less selection choices, I think, in the forwards. It's in the back line where I think, you know, what did you do at 12? What did you do at 14? And and everyone else, I think, is probably locked into place. Uh, and if you've got George Ford coming off the bench, well, you talk about top two credentials, that's a good place to be in. So with that all being said, your prediction for uh, the weekend? Uh, I'm going to go with Sailed 30, Irish 20. I- I mean, you can't not pick to win after beating Saris. So, Absolutely. you know, let's let's go for that. And and bonus point for us as well. I, I'm I'm same vein. Like I'm saying, sale forty two, Irish twenty seven. I, I could I could really see a bit like we saw with the Saracens game, us being able to 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 pump a lot of points on the board, and I think that will push us to win. And that might seem obvious, but I think Irish will score a few tries. They'll get round us a few times. You know, they're playing really well. But I just think, actually, at the moment, with our mix of physicality up front, like that Jean-Luc Dupree try, we haven't even spoken about it, where he bounces off five tacklers. You know, it was incredible. You know, you, you, when you can mix that with, you know, the, the breaks from O'Flaherty and Carpenter, I think we'll just be able to outscore them. Um, and I'm, that's how you said, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, so that's the pod for this week. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone for sending in your three-word reviews. Um, we obviously will be back to discuss the Irish game next week, and then we'll see what's happening with uh, with the break in, in play for a couple of weeks for the rest of March. Um, but, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Uh, you know, the, the the wagon rolls on if you're a Sale fan. Uh Big props for everyone who managed to get down there at the weekend. It looked like a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and yeah, let's get that that's home semi-final place wrapped up as soon as possible. So Alex, before we say goodbye, anything else from your side? Uh, just to say, oh, the pies were excellent. <laughs> Chicken balti pie at the game is really good. Um, I genuinely thought the service at the ground was much, well, I, I had a very good experience anyway, really easy, like, you know, much better staff than when Ellie were in charge. So that was a real positive. Um, and the other thing is to say, uh, Sale FC beat Hull away from home in a very, very hard-fought game on the weekend. So they are still in the conversation um, for a potential uh, promotion. They're at home on Saturday, the... Uh, 12th, I think it is, uh, whatever the date is, uh, Saturday the 11th, sorry, um, against Bishop Stortford. So, worth getting out to Hayward Road if you're at a loose end this weekend with sales, sharks away at Irish. Um, but yeah, Northwest Rugby and Northern Rugby continues to roll on, and um, hopefully, we continue to see every Northern team um, do well. So, uh, here's to next weekend.